Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. I forget where I saw this guy's comment, uh, but I had to laugh. So we've got a story on our Montana Talks website right now. Uh, Very interesting piece, uh, some great information in here. It's actually a piece by Martin Kidston. Martin Kidston uh, has the Missoula Current, uh, which typically left-leaning kind of uh, news blog. But but Martin was, uh, at one time, he was the spokesperson for the Montana Democrat Party. I think he worked for the Helena IR before that. Uh, but uh, but does some good reporting, too, I would add. And uh, this is a very interesting piece. He's talking about, you know, this Arctic freeze, this Arctic blast that we uh, that we endured last weekend. Some of you are like, Aaron, we were still enduring it, <laughs> especially if you're on the high line. You're like, man, we had like, what, 30, 40 below zero temperatures again this morning. So, yeah, it's still coming. It's still coming, but it's a piece about how Northwestern Energy endured this price spike and had to import electricity during the Arctic blast. But but back uh, last weekend, you know, the it was what fifty nine below zero in in uh, uh, Chester, Montana, and they were setting cold weather records across the state. And in some places, the sun was shining. So if it wasn't covered in snow and if the equipment was working, maybe you were getting solar power. But to tell you, nothing like the power of coal and coal strip, nothing like the power of a natural gas-fired power plant. Uh, but the wind turbines, the wind turbines were not moving. Uh, so so you weren't staying warm, uh, by and large, thanks to, thanks to wind energy. So it's interesting. I'm reading this piece here by Martin Kidston. And, and what does it say here? It says, Montana's largest power company delivered nearly... 1,200 megawatts of electricity at peak hours during the recent Arctic freeze that fell over the state, nearly double what it was producing before the storm. Most of that, quote, emergency power came from state-generated hydro and thermal sources along with imported electricity to meet the the spike in demand. Uh, Very little came from wind or solar as neither were available, according to uh, Northwestern Energy. Anyway, we're going to talk with a... With uh, John Hines from Northwestern Energy in the second half of the show today. We've got open phone lines for you in the first half. But but isn't this interesting? Most of the emergency power came from hydro. Hydro was a big part of that. I saw a guy commenting, one of these Green New Deal activists on on the left, that, you know, they always have to defend their their wind power. You know, those ugly wind farms. They always have to rise in defense of those. Hey, the wind ain't blowing. The power ain't flowing. And they're like, oh, yeah? Well, how's hydro working out when the lakes are all frozen? Um, There's ice on the top, but the water still flows below, and the generators are down below. So, yeah, hydro still works. So when your electric vehicle finally thaws out and you get moving again... Maybe get the brain moving, too, and think about how we're going to actually keep the heat on in these sub-zero temperatures. Just a thought. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. You know, I almost 
joked with Senator Steve Daines about this. Did you guys ever watch The Office, the TV show The Office? You watch any of the reruns? I mean, it's just hilarious, right? Michael Scott. The first time I heard about this TV show The Office, I was chatting with Senator Steve Daines. I, maybe he was still in Congress at the time. And uh, we were laughing about this show, The Office. So I was going to ask him if he ever watched Wayne's World when he was uh, when he was younger, uh, back in in the '90s. Because I remember watching the movie Wayne's World uh, when I was in, uh, when, you know, when I was a kid in the '90s, and uh, you know, back when Saturday Night Live was good. And so I was going to joke about this because I was going to joke about the weather because as as I was just joking. You know, we can all talk about, man, the weather got so cold. We got hit with that Arctic blast last weekend. And I know our friends in North Mon- North in Northeast Montana are saying, Aaron, we're still getting hit with it. And, and yeah, yesterday I didn't get a chance uh, to joke about it. But, you know, this morning, the National Weather Service office in Glasgow uh, was reporting wind chills between minus 15 and minus 30 across northeast montana at five o'clock in the morning and a lot of the state is getting snow some pretty significant snowfall taking place as well uh in fact the national weather service office uh, that covers northeast montana said sub-zero temperatures return today with wind chills as low as negative 40 friday morning and negative 30 saturday morning uh so they got this wind chill advisory in effect but uh it reminded me of uh of wayne's ex-girlfriend stacy in wayne's world it's like oh no that so the the cold weather is moving back in it kind of like stacy from wayne's world incoming stacy 10 o'clock hi wayne Oh, are you all right? <laughs> and she's okay. <laughs> game on. Yeah, game on. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's what she, she runs her bike right into the side of that Trans Am or whatever kind of vehicle it was back then. All right, game on. Let's get into your phone calls, 406 294 0970. First up on the phone lines, we've got, uh, speaking of uh, Northeast Montana, we've got Rye in Malta listening to KMMR. Rye, great to hear from you. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, good. Were you a Wayne's World guy back in the day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to spew, spew into this. <laughs> Love yeah. that show. Oh man! Well, you got a serious topic. Let's let's get into the serious stuff. I've been joking around too much yeah, already. I hate to change the subject on you on the cold weather because it is cold up here. But uh, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention with the obviously the borders constant in the news with everything. But the Texas governor has sent National Guard to secure the border, thrown barbed wire fence across the border, makes securing it, kicked Border Patrol out of there. The Biden administration is threatening to arrest the National Guard within days if they do not vacate and let Border Patrol take back over. Other states like Nebraska, Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi are sending resources and their National Guard to help Texas. And I want to issue, like, I've reached out to Governor Gianforte's office but haven't heard anything back yet. Is he planning on sending resources help i challenge him to because he's a, we're always talking about you know we need to secure the border let's put your money where your mouth is 
Yeah. Well, I know I know we've sent National Guard troops down to Texas to help secure the southern border. I, I've, I've gotten to talk with it with at least one of them who recently got home from there. Uh, I, I think the other question is, is even if we send our troops down to the border, are, are they actually able to help secure the border or are they just are, or are they just sitting there watching uh, the, whole, the whole invasion take place? Right. Because like you pointed out. So here in Texas, there's there's a particular it's a it's a, a city park in in one town in Texas and they've got a, a very liberal mayor there. And so all these illegals are, are just invading right through this city park. And and so the Texas National Guard, Governor Abbott, had the Texas National Guard move in block the the illegal aliens and then the border patrol was trying to come in to get the texas guard out of the way and they said no you're not coming in here so it's created this this uh, standoff down there and and mm-hmm. as i under, as i understand it the border patrol agents themselves i mean i mean they're doing what they have to do they're they're following these you know absurd uh orders coming down from from biden and, and their other bosses but but they're secretly like loving what texas is doing to, to finally secure try to secure the border down there Well, I just know that we need to support Texas and what they're doing and stand behind them. Hopefully the Border Patrol is secretly are rooting for them, but it's time for the Border Patrol to even stand up. Granted, they may, you know, possibility of losing your job, but this is a great ordeal. It's an invasion. No, I agree. And I know you're one of our uh, great military veterans out there. You, You had a duty to refuse to follow an unlawful order. I think our Border Patrol agents right now are are following unlawful orders that are coming down from the Biden administration. I, I think this invasion that is taking place is absolutely treasonous right now. And and it's time they they their their you know their union should step up and say do not follow these unlawful orders. I completely agree. Did you hear uh, what Kamala Harris had to say on the view she this is getting a lot of attention in the national news this morning she is scared as heck about the 2024 elections that's what Kamala Harris said she's scared as heck um, but what I also found interesting was the way the question was teed up for her uh, from Joy Behar on the view Rye, I don't know if you heard that I'll, I'll just play the question a lot of people have already heard the answer um, and Rye, if you want to weigh in, I'll come back to you after the break. Or if you got to move on, that's all right, because uh, we'll, we'll get to another caller. Phone lines are open for you, 406-294-0970. Back with Montana Talks, the show where you get to talk right after this. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Some heavy-hitting uh, Democrats are sounding the alarm behind closed doors. Uh, President Obama reportedly has said that he thinks the Biden campaign is too complacent when it comes to Trump. Uh, Representative Jim Clyburn has said the campaign isn't breaking through the mega wall. Um, Michelle Obama says she's terrified, as we are. Uh, about the potential outcome of the election. Now, are, are you scared, first of all, what could happen if Trump ever became, God forbid, president again? And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? What are you going to do to stop the crazies? Did you hear what Joy Behar just said right there? I mean, uh, yeah, Joy Joy Blowhard, you know, she could power the wind farm and Judith Gap when the, when the turbines aren't spinning, couldn't she? What are you going to do to stop the crazies? 
Now, that is a question that should be asked of Kamala Harris, because Kamala Harris is supposed to be the border czar, right? She should be stopping the crazies coming across our southern border. But no, see, Joy Behar says you are the crazies. Not the sex traffickers coming across our southern border, not the MS-13 gang members that are invading New York City neighborhoods right now, not the people that are that are are killing Native Americans on our reservations at twice the rate they're killing other Montanans with fentanyl. Those aren't the crazies, according to Joy Behar, the people that are killing you and destroying families. The crazies are the people that want to see lower inflation, that want to see our borders secure again, that want to stop seeing wars in the Middle East. You're the crazies. That You're the crazies that need to be stopped. But the, but the response from Kamala is what's getting all the attention, where she says she is scared as heck. All right, let's get into the phone lines once again. Rye had to run, but that's all right. We got Tim and Billings next up on the phone lines. Tim, what's going on? Good morning, Aaron. Um, you know, I'm really concerned. I think we need to do a welfare check. Um, I may have missed it, but we haven't heard from Ken all week, Ken in Great Falls. And so, and I know he is such an ardent believer in, uh, you know, green energy that he, there's no way he would let one electron into his house that wasn't carbon neutral, and there's no way he would burn a fossil fuel. So I'm very concerned that he didn't make it through the cold snap and is, isn't, and, and is, it may not be prepared for this next one coming in. I think we need to do a welfare check because after seeing after seeing all those Teslas froze up in Chicago, I don't know how he's going to get around to tell us how evil we all are for uh, being able to live our lives in in a, you know subzero temperatures by using fossil fuels and uh, and not being carbon neutral. You know what? That's a, it's so good that you called in with that heartwarming message. We've got to check on our friends and neighbors. We've got to check even the ones right. we disagree with. You know, we we got to do buddy checks. We got to make sure they're okay. That's it's, right times like We're these the first responders. that's right we got to look out for our friends and neighbors even if we disagree with them on some of the issues we want to make sure that they stay warm in the midst of this global warming i'm you know you're such a good guy tim i want i want ken to call in let us know you're okay and also if you are if you did make it through this last cold snap how did you do it without with being carbon neutral and not burning any fossil fuels let us all know and then we can follow your lead because i know there's no way that you could be a hypocrite and and use use the same you know lowbrow caveman technology that the rest of us use. Please let us know how to do it so we can follow your lead. I gotta ask you, hey, what time? Uh, what Tim? What time did you call into the radio show? Do you remember the minute? Was it like nine thirteen, nine fourteen? Do you remember when you actually called into the show? I don't. Let me see. Let me take a look at my phone real quick. Yeah, your cell phone will probably say you've been on the call for uh, seven minutes, eight minutes, whatever. Ten minutes and forty-six seconds ago. So, so, uh, yeah, six, about, uh, so about nine fifteen. I went to journalism school, yeah. so I'm bad at math. So okay. I, the reason I ask you this is because we had a message come in on our Montana Talks app at nine ten this morning. You're not the only good guy out there. Uh, Andy and Whitefish. Andy and Whitefish says, "I wonder how Ken and Great Falls stayed warm." So uh, he's concerned yeah. about our neighbors too. So uh, yeah, good people. Hey, we're, we're just we're just a compassionate we're the compassionate crew. <laughs> That's right. right. The ones that really care about our neighbors, even if we disagree. You dang <laughs> white Christians! I tell you what, you think you you that 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 you deserve this country and nobody else does. <laughs> 
Look at that. He's looking out for his friends and neighbors. So is Andy and Whitefish. All right, Tim, great to hear from you. 406-294-0970 is the number. I don't see Ken in in, uh, Great Falls on the phone lines yet. Uh, Speaking of those electric vehicles, yeah, did you guys see that in uh, Chicago? Chi-town, Chicago. Chicago. I had my uh, my Puerto Rican buddy Juan Bo Bay in Afghanistan with me. We were on the top of the the KG Pass, and he he'd be up there. Hey, hey, Chicago. Well, if you were in Chicago, your car would not go. It would not go in Chicago because all these electric vehicles completely froze up. This was a montage from Fox and Friends yesterday. Oh, we got a bunch of dead robots out here. No juice, it's still on zero percent. And this is like three hours this morning being out here. After being out here eight hours yesterday. It's just frozen, and so I'm now getting towed to the um, Tesla service center because that's my only option at this point. No response from Tesla. We have been suffering since yesterday. Uh, afternoon. This is crazy. It's, it's, it's a disaster. Oh, man. I got no response. We have been suffering. I, I just hope Ken is not suffering since uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, but you can call now if you want to call now. 406-294-0970. Suzanne in Haver. Thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Oh, I wanted to go back to the border crisis, but I got so tickled over, the, over Ken because, quite honestly, yes, I'm worried about all these people that have got their their electric vehicles and you know when 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 or if it ever happens i mean if it came down to dying i imagine they would uh, fire up that generator with the gasoline and uh preserve their lives you would think they would have that much common sense well well not only do they have that common sense but they're not going to follow the rules the rules are for you suzanne you know, well, they're not yeah, for I mean, them. I mean, they tell you to buy an electric vehicle. They're not going to. Joe Biden doesn't own one. He's got a Corvette with a bunch of top secret documents and boxes next to it in his beach house that's supposed exactly, to be under. Exactly, which he'd start burning if he got cold enough. Yeah, and, and the beach house isn't even supposed to be there because of global warming. It's supposed to be underwater right now. And so, and John Kerry and the rest of these World Economic Forum crackpots, they're flying 150 private jets into Davos every day. And they're eating steak and lobster, but they want you to eat bugs. Yeah, that one's not going to happen. I mean, I've tried a few just for curiosity's sake, but yeah, (laughs) no, give me a steak anytime. I had the cowboy. (laughs) I I tried one of those cowboy crickets in Bozeman one time, and, uh, you know, it had enough seasoning on it uh, (laughs) to swallow it down, but. uh, (laughs) We can keep shipping those to India where where people want them. Uh, we We don't need to eat them here. Exactly. I just would like to state that, you know, we uh, we do have an invasion crossing our borders, both north and south. Mm-hmm. But we as much as we sit here and and talk about it, uh, I call it whining and complaining until we group together in a big enough mass. And instead of using our Constitution as a a guideline, follow it. Um, I mean, I, I, we're locked and loaded. We're ready to go. We can defend ourselves against an invasion. The Constitution says so. Well, and, the minute and, and, a single man tries, he will be arrested and disappear. 
Well, and and the the conservatives on Capitol Hill have got to unite and stand up on our southern border right now because because frankly the American people have their back now like never before. I truly believe when it comes to this invasion on our southern border, even the black radio hosts on on liberal talk radio in New York City are are hearing angry caller after angry caller about the illegal immigrants that are invading New York City as well. So so uh, they finally get it also. Uh, Suzanne, thanks for the phone call. Great to hear from you. Next up, we got James Brown. James Brown on the phone lines from Helena. Sounds like uh, Jim's got a big announcement for us today. Uh, James Brown, currently chairman of the Montana Public Service Commission. Yeah, good morning, Aaron. Uh, Good to be on with you. So I'm calling in to make a good on a promise I made to you last fall, which was uh, I promised that I would tell you what office uh, I was running for, and you'd be the first person I'd tell. And so I'm here to tell you and your listenership that I'm going to be a candidate for state auditor in 2024. Wow. Hey, promises made, promises kept. Yeah, uh, Jim Brown, you guys remember, ran for the Montana Supreme Court last year. I was kind of hoping you'd run for the Supreme Court again this year, build on on, on what you on, on, on what you were able to rally last year. Uh, but we, we've got a couple other great candidates who have already announced for the Supreme Court. So state auditor, yeah, because uh, Troy Downing, the current auditor, says he's running for Congress. Yeah, you have that exactly right. So in 2022, I stepped stepped up when asked to run for the Montana Supreme Court. As you recall, I filed on the very last day after people saw who was uh, running for the court uh, in 2022. Uh, I have noticed that we have two really great candidates for Montana Supreme Court this year. I support... Uh, I support Corey, and I support uh, Judge Wilson. And so uh, when Troy announced that he was going to run for the Eastern Congressional seat, um, people asked me to run for state auditor to fill that important regulatory position, and uh, I've agreed to do so. Why auditor? we got about a minute before our break. Why state auditor? Why did that position uh, stand out to you? Yeah, so as you know, I am president of the Public Service Commission, and, and the PSC uh, does regulatory decision-making and consumer protection role similar to that played by the auditor, and I'm uh, uniquely situated to serve in that office for two reasons. One, of course, is I am an attorney. Um, the second thing is I'll be the first auditor, if elected, that actually has an insurance producer's license, I think, in about 30 years in Montana. Yeah, wow. And what if now is uh, Troy Downing, let's see, so if Congressman Rosendale doesn't leave the House to run for the Senate, is Troy still going to is Troy going to challenge Rosendale in the primary or what if, what if, or, or will Troy not run for for reelection as auditor either way? I don't, I don't know if you know anything on that front. I, I really don't know what his intentions are. Um, I can tell you this much. Troy's done a pretty good job as auditor uh, and I would uh, hope to continue what he has done. And if he decides to step back and not run for auditor, what I would probably do is just step back into run for my role uh, as president of the PSC. Remain at the PSC. All right, very interesting. Quick break here on Montana Talks. Lots more to come right after this. This is where Montana Talks at with Lane Nordland. Well, Old Man Winter continues to let his presence be known here this week. And some farmers may be concerned with how the cold weather impacted their fall planted crops. 
It's impossible now to know how much damage, if any, has occurred to winter wheat out in the countryside with the current cold wave. A lot of that wheat was protected by a nice snow cover. However, there is some modest concern for winter wheat across the northern high plains. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, who says the concerns are mainly for Montana, where there was very little snow cover at all, but some majorly low mercury readings. Temperatures plummeting into the minus 30 to minus 50 degree range. There is certainly some concern for winter kill for that wheat, especially coming off a record warm December. But for the core areas right across Kansas, number one production state, beautiful blanket of snow protecting the crop. And that should really help out as that eventually percolates into the soil as melting snow here, likely in a few weeks. Rippy did add that next week we are expecting to see warmer than normal temperatures across the entire nation. Also, just a reminder that next Tuesday, January 23rd, Miles City Livestock Commission will host a stock cow and bread heifer sale. For more information and to see all the consignments of cattle for next Tuesday's sale in Miles City, visit milecitylivestock.net. I'm Lane Northland. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we're going to jump right into it with our our guest on the program here for the second half of the show this morning. But hey, first off, big thanks to uh, James Brown, who's uh, currently the the president of the uh, Public Service Commission here in Montana. Yeah, last uh, summer, I think it was, I, we had him on the show. I can't remember if he dropped in or what. And I said, hey, what are you thinking? Are you going to run again for the uh, Montana Supreme Court, especially with these two seats coming open? And he says, well, I'm, I'm going to think about it, but I'll, I'll come back and we'll, we'll let you know. And so he made good on his promise. He he called us here to, to give us uh, the news that he is going to be running for state auditor, uh, assuming that uh, Rosendale runs for the Senate, uh, despite the uh, in, intense campaign being run right now by uh, Navy SEAL veteran uh, Tim Sheehy, who was at the Iowa caucuses supporting Trump earlier this week. Uh, and so and then, of course, then the dominoes start to fall because Troy Downing said that he uh, won't run for reelection as auditor, that he'll run for the Eastern District in Congress. So will several others. And so then. Uh, the head of the PSE says he'll run for state auditor. So you can start to see the uh, the musical chairs that, that will erupt if uh, Rosendale decides to leave the House and, and run for the Senate again, like in 2018. All right, let's jump into the, the big story of the day. You know, I think it was last week before we got hit with these, you know, 59 below zero temperatures in parts of the state. I reached out to Northwestern Energy and I said, hey, you know, with this upcoming cold spike you know probably a good opportunity to to talk about power supplies here in montana and cold weather and 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 big picture things like that maybe get an update on the natural gas fired power plant in laurel and much more and so we had we had scheduled john hines the vice president of supply and government affairs from northwestern energy to join us here today and talk about good timing now we've got a story on our montana talks website uh, detailing uh s- some of those numbers and how they responded just this past weekend alone john great to have you back on the show thanks for being with us uh, my pleasure thanks for having me so how'd last weekend go what stood out to you from your perch well <laughs> it was a stressful weekend um you know, we had, as everyone knows, we had an incredibly cold weather event that came uh, down out of uh, 
Canada encompassed our entire service territory. One of the key differences between this and the one we had just over a year ago was the length of time that it, it lasted. So, it, you know, over six days as opposed to a little bit over two days last time. And I think most of your listeners can fully appreciate that uh, the longer things stay cold, the more likely things uh, are going to have a break or something. So, you know, we, we set records in a lot of our communities for temperatures for those particular days. Temperatures go down, consumption goes up. And we even had a reading at minus 45 at one of our gas generation plants at, at Anaconda, Dave Gates Generation Station. Um, but overall, um, I, I think that our system performed pretty well. In part, we did a lot of advanced planning for it. Um, but we also set system peaks for both gas and electricity. And those records, were, again, were just set over a year ago. And so while the consumption per customer um, is continuing to go down with energy efficiency, that sort of thing being employed, the amount of usage overall continues to increase and likely just because the total number of people in Montana is increasing. So, Well, good point. Kind of the, yeah, the, uh, the population is on the rise, and then the use of electronics uh, by that population uh, continues to be on the rise. I mean, you think about it when, you know, unless you were one of the folks that were out checking on cows in the 40 below zero temperatures, uh, if, if you were just spending the weekend sitting at home, staying warm, uh, at your house, what were you doing? You probably had a whole bunch of electronic devices that were fired up. And did I read this right, that that basically the the electricity demand doubled from what it was what it was before the storm that, that last weekend, basically the electricity demand in Montana for, for your customers doubled from, from just days before? Yeah, that was pretty close. And it, it did. It came on very quickly. Um, and it came on more strongly than what all the weather forecasts were indicating initially. Um, but again, fortunately, we, we had a pretty good understanding that a significant event was coming. And I do want to just point out one thing, Aaron, um, that there was a tremendous amount of hard work with what I think of as the unsung heroes. And basically, the linemen, the gasmen, our hydro folks out chipping ice on, on the dams, they were working in extreme temp temperatures to keep um, our, our power available for everyone. And those folks just did a phenomenal job, again, for a really long time period. Well, that's right. And, and I don't know if you, you might have missed it, but earlier in the week we had Carson Sweeney with Fergus Electric Cooperative, and he gave a big thank you and a big shout-out to those Northwestern linemen and, and engineers and others that you just mentioned because, you know, they you – know, it's oftentimes that you'll have power outages during severe weather, severe storms, cold weather, fires, you name it, but they had a, a substation go down. So that's not just, hey, send the crews out, get the line back up and running, which is a feat in itself. They had to get the whole substation back. But they he said that, man, that, that your crews out of Billings and elsewhere in area just rushed up and, and provided a, a additional support to really help them out. So just another Neighbors Helping Neighbors Montana story. Yeah, I, my takeaway in reading uh, that um, article by Carson was that, you know, Montanans still have the can-do attitude, and when your neighbor needs help, you help. Well, and I, I was telling or I, I mentioned this yesterday on the show. I was trying to change out, help my son change out a car battery because everybody's <laughs> batteries went dead across the state, too. So imagine if your tiny little car battery is going dead, imagine what a massive uh, battery or a massive substation and thing is facing as well. And, you know, people that have construction equipment, their equipment was going down. But the, 
the the bones in my fingers just hurt after just being out there for a little while. So I can imagine working on big equipment, big electrical equipment, and things like that out there uh, for you know up to twelve hours. They were working on that deal on Sunday. Uh, let's see. The interesting piece here by Martin Kidston uh, in a piece that's that's now on our Montana Talks website as well is most of the emergency power. You know, you delivered nearly 1,200 megawatts of electricity at peak hours, nearly double what you were producing before the storm. But most of that emergency power came from hydro and thermal sources, uh, along with imported electricity. Uh, very little came from wind or, or solar, apparently. Yeah, you know... Just a couple of, just back up a couple of steps, if I may, Aaron. Um, wind, when it produces, it's really helpful. And I saw a online discussion saying how, um, you know, Coal Strip, part of Coal Strip wasn't operating earlier in the week and wind was blowing and, you know, therefore you don't need Coal Strip. Well, during the coldest period that we had, you know, starting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, Tuesday even, wind generally was either not working at all, we have 435 megawatts, it was zero output at times, maybe 30 or 40 megawatts at other times. So we had to rely on our our coal strip generation, our Dave Gage generation, our basin generation, our hydro. But unfortunately, we also had to rely on over, to meet over half of our load from out-of-state market purchases. And those prices were about 8 to 14 times higher than the prices for market purchases the first 10 days of January. Basically, we're thinking this is going to be about $40 million of cost for our customers. Um, Market purchases are a pass-through cost. Um, And that's something that we really want to work on in concert with the Commission to improve our ability to be self-supporting, self-sustaining in Montana. Um, I just don't think we have the luxury of um, not trying to develop additional generation in Montana that's available 24-7 when it's really cold. Yeah, what and a I punch just- in the gut that was because Montana, for those who are new to the state or, or who don't know, we have always been, we had, you know, typically in recent decades, we've been an exporter of power. We are the Saudi Arabia of coal. We are the Saudi Arabia of wind. We can, we can be the Saudi Arabia of so many different energy sources and mineral resources, but we had leftist politicians and liberal media activists that wanted to force this green energy down our throats, and they attacked Coal Strip, and we lost Coal Strip 1 and 2, and now we're having to import power. And importing that power comes at a very steep price at times like these. And, and also there's a reliability issue. Um, you know, there was transmission issues. We buy most of our power from either um, Alberta or to the west. And there was transmission issues in both of those areas. And in part, it drove up the, our, our main purchase spot of prices, you know, again, up to $1,000 a megawatt hour um, during some of that time frame. But it also just didn't make it available at times coming down from the north. They had their own emergency um, issues up there on their system. So my key takeaway, and this, I get it questioned a lot, why are we acquiring, why did we obtain more uh, coal strip from a vista for zero cost why are we building the yellowstone plant well if we'd have had the yellowstone plant working operational right now it would have probably saved our customers around 12 to um, 14 million dollars just for those six days wow we'd have had the extra 220 megawatts of coal strip which doesn't come available until 2026 that would have been another 18 million dollars 
That's incredible. And, and then the reliability that comes with that as well by having that natural gas power plant in Laurel. Great news to report. Ken in Great Falls is fine. And he's up next. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative, they do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Well, I'll tell you what, I know we're getting short on time, so we're going to try to speed through a couple phone calls here with some quick questions or comments. But it's always good to wrap up the show with some good heartwarming news. We talked about doing buddy checks earlier. Luckily, our buddy, Ken in Great Falls, uh, he, he's doing great. He survived the cold. He's with us now. Ken, great to hear from you. Did you have a quick question or comment for our guests this morning? Yeah, the idea of having to buy all that expensive energy. You've had the capability to buy into a pump storage site down at Martindale, Montana, 200 megawatts. It's one of the cheapest forms of energy you could buy and take care of all your topping needs, all your intermediate load, but you haven't bought into it. You could do your own pump storage all over the state because of the elevation we have. All right. Thanks for that call, Ken. Yeah, I think you, I think you brought up that question the last time we had John Hines on here, too. John, do I remember right that it's, it's not as, uh, as inexpensive as our caller suggests? Uh, pump storage, your thoughts? I, I do think it, it has a potential, and in fact, we are um, trying to work with um, developers to see if that can come to fruition. But as you just noted, Aaron, it does have to meet that cost-effective threshold. But I will tell you that's something that we are looking at very closely right now. So hopefully, that's the great. Numbers will pencil out yeah that's great well again i'm kind of an all the above guy like it's like what wyoming did a few years ago they weren't saying well let's not do that let's not do that let's do this they were saying okay californians want to want to pay for wind power all right well here's your wind power but um but okay so why can't we do both if eventually when it's cost effective do the pump storage okay great all right we sounds like we might have an agreement there but that's not a reason and an excuse to shut down the natural gas power plant in Laurel, which the radical left is trying to do right now, even in the midst of this cold snap. The climate kids who are behind the, behind the climate kids lawsuit are, are, are trying to do just that. What is the latest on that natural gas power plant in Laurel? Yeah, Aaron, as you noted, you know, the, it had a work stoppage because of um, environmental litigation. It took about two and a half, three months from when we had to start shutting it down to when we were able to get back up to full speed. That cost about $15 million to our customers, that shutdown. Um, but we're looking at having it um, available, commercially operational in June of this year, um, assuming, well, there's, there's a lot of litigation continues around it, um, but hopefully that um, sanity, this kind of event that we just experienced will show the the incredible need for these types of generation in addition to all the others like your collar pump storage hopefully that'll work pump storage only works for eight hours so then you've got to recharge it and oh. if you're you know that's a downside with pump storage so 
Um, everything has pluses and minuses, and right now we're focusing on stuff that's 24-7 and cost-effective. Well, and I remember when the Sierra Club said that uh, coming to pluses and minuses, that natural gas was a huge plus. Natural gas was was the fuel of choice for the Sierra Club, but, but then they realized they, now they can make money by attacking uh, natural gas. Um, Carol, uh, driving down the road, called in with a, a question. The the teardown of the Snake River dams, you know, the electric cooperatives have been expressing big concerns about the Biden administration and this agreement on the Snake River dams. Uh, it, would and, and how would Northwestern Energy customers potentially be impacted by that? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, I just referenced that we were buying over 50% of our power from outside of Montana. Well, the Snake River dams, they produce, those four dams produce around 2,000 megawatts of power, um, peak power. So you take that into account with all the coal plants being shut down on the West Coast, and it just makes a very tight energy market even tighter. Uh, especially during these types of critical weather. And Bonneville, which gets that power, you know, they just set a new system peak this last weekend as well. So, it, you know, I, I don't know that if you're trying to have a lower carbon portfolio, it, it doesn't make sense to me to be taking out hydroelectric power. Yeah, no sense whatsoever. That's very interesting. So uh, one other thing I wanted to get to, I know we're just about out of time here, but real quickly, uh, people can opt out of, uh, they're called automated meter readers, but uh, listeners are calling them, and I think it's safe to call them smart meters. Uh, it seems like the biggest concern folks have with, with smart meters is they're afraid that power companies might do what was done down in Denver, where you couldn't even adjust your thermostat to the temperature you wanted to th- adjust it to in your own home. Uh, is can, can you tell us confidently that that, that that is not the plan Northwestern Energy has? And, and where do these uh, smart meters sit? Yeah, I mean, the, the intent that we we're looking at on um, these meters um, that we're installing in a lot of places is that it gives us the ability to um, be more responsive to outages. We can more quickly tell which houses are online or have an outage, and we can be more efficient in addressing those. Um, Over time, there could be a lot of other uses that we could do for that, including paying customers to not um, use their water heater or something like that. But we recognize that there's some discomfort with those right now by some people, and we're working with the commission to reach an outcome that addresses those concerns and still allows the program from a high level going forward. And, and anything like uh, temperature control would still be at the control of the customer, the homeowner, and not something forced on them? No, we would not force anything. I mean, we, you know, we're Montana and South Dakotans, and customers will have their choice, however they want to be served. All right. John Hines, Vice President of Supply and Government Affairs for Northwestern Energy. Always a pleasure. Always some great insight. Thanks for your time this morning. Great to have you on Montana Talks, the show where folks get a talk. NBC.